Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Hallelujah. I thank God for today. You remember... In our previous session, I I actually spoke about how um, God gave us his law. I spoke about um, Christ is the end of the law. And I want to throw a bit more light on how Christ ended the law or how he became the fulfillment of the law, for that matter, the end of the law. According to Hebrews, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The law. Is the end of the law. Another version says Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, he said, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. Bible says that in, 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 in Acts chapter 28, the, the last chapter in Acts, Paul had a long discourse with the people who came and saw him. I think verse 23, Bible says that, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophet from morning till evening that's all he was doing from morning to evening he was pointing them to Christ in the scriptures from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. So the law of Moses and the prophets all testify to Christ. In what way? They testified according to Romans chapter 3 verse uh, um, 21. They testified to Christ in this way. Bible says that, but now the righteousness of God, which uh, God without the law is manifested, being witnessed, being testified by the law and the prophet. So they testified that there is another righteousness coming by Christ. So what the law was going doing was actually, watch this, the law was actually pointing and testifying to that righteousness. The prophets were pointing and testifying to the righteousness that there is a righteousness coming. There is a right standing if God coming. <laughs> right standing with God coming. There is, watch this, now I'm about to use a new word. There is a nearness to God. <laughs> I feel excited. There is a nearness to God or drawing near to God that is coming, which is not going to be based on the laws of commandments and ordinances, but is going to be based on faith in Christ Jesus, drawing near to God, justific- justification, and it's going to be by faith. There is a justification coming. There is a righteousness coming. You are, when you are righteous, then God said, oh, you're okay, you're okay, that you are justified through righteousness. But the righteousness of the law was not justifying, it was rather condemning. Genesis. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Oh, I'm getting very excited. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says that, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the tree of the, the among the trees of the garden. Ha! Huh. Think about this. They've always had a relationship with God. They've always had a a connectivity to God. They've always been relating to God and having fellowship with God. When God created them, suddenly something happened. And when they heard the voice of God in the garden, when they knew God was coming, instead of running towards God, they they ran away from God. They hid them. It says, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's where the problem is. Why? Because they knew they were not justified. They knew they had transgressed. So that's what I spoke about the other time in the previous teaching about how when sin entered or the fall and the fall, what happened? Number one, they transgressed the law of God. Number two, so Adam transgressed. Okay, Romans chapter 5 verse 14. He transgressed the law of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 14 verse 16 talks about they came into condemnation. 
condemnation. So when they sinned, they, verse 16 and 18, rather, Romans 5, 16, 18, they came into condemnation. So one, they transgressed against the law of God. Two, they came into condemnation. Number, number three, they, they came under the curse of God in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. It's a curse because you have done this thing. It's a curse. As a, as a curse is the ground for your sake. So they came under the, uh, the curse of God. And then, then um, the next thing that happened was that they were ex- estranged. They were alienated. I spoke about it uh, a bit more in the previous teaching. They were alienated from the life of God. That was the problem. Now, so in order to reverse the alienation, so in Genesis chapter um, 3, verse 23 and 24, Bible says that God drove them, God drove them out of the garden. Hey! God drove them out of the garden. So in order to come back into the garden, we have to reverse the transgression. The transgression must be taken care of. The, the condemnation must be taken care of. And then the, um, um, the, the, the curse must be taken care of. And it's not just that. Satan also uh, infused or injected his thinking, his thoughts, his feelings, and his will into man's mind, man's emotions, and man's will. Satan injected. And as though that was not enough, Satan also interjected uh, in. When Adam ate the food, sin came into his body as the Satan in the personality of sin came into man's body. So now you can see that somebody has for the first time, God was, man was created innocent for the first time after he fell, Satan, Satan's nature, which is the serpent's nature, has entered the man's nature. That is why in Romans chapter 7, verse 11, for sin, watch this, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment deceived me. Sin was living in me. He deceived me. Look at verse 17. Now then, it's no longer I... Uh, I, I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. When did sin dwell? I was not created with sin. So when did it dwell in me? All right. So sin that dwells in me. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, now if I do that, I would not. It is no longer I, but sin. It's not talking about action. Sin is a person. So when they sin, when they fell, Satan's person, as in the person of sin, check into man's body. Check into, not his spirit. He checked into man's body. But his spirit became in Insulated and deadened towards God. The spirit of man lost its function towards God. I explain, explain all this in the previous t- session. So it's very important. Man came under, uh, man transgressed, man came under condemnation, man came under a curse, and then um, man, had, man became estranged from the life of God or alienated. So from that time, Watch this. The cure thing, God created man to be with man, to be in man. So to be near to man, for man to be near to him. But because of sin, man became far. According to Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you, you were far alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And then it says that you were far from God. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, again, I think verse 16 or 17, he said, we who were far have been brought near. Hallelujah. So God's plan has always, watch this, this is very important. God's plan and program has always to bring us near to himself. So God has always planned to bring us near to himself. So he's been working nearness into us from the fall, but he we can't come near whilst when we are still sinful, when we are still under oh, when we are still under condemnation. We can't come. How can you come near God when you are under condemnation? When condemnation means that in that sense, it was as I said, it was within a legal framework where you have been found guilty and culpable for punishment and sent or um, driven away for punishment and for the judgment to come upon you. So condemnation, you deserve judgment, not pardon. Because you are sin, you deserve judgment, not niceness. Judgment. We deserve judgment. Okay. So now, how can you, who is a fugitive, wanted by God, how can you come close to God? So man has never wanted to be close to God. Look at Romans chapter three, verse eleven. There is none that understands. 
or understanding. There is none that seeks after God. None of us by ourselves will ever seek after God. No human being can be a genuine God seeker by themselves. We are, those of us who are in God, we have just been drawn near. He drew us. He drew, he says that Jesus said, no man can come to me except my father draws him. John chapter 36 verse, I think, John chapter 6 verse 38. Yeah, 36 to 38, somewhere there. And even verse 44, John 6, 44. He said, you cannot come to me except the Father draws you. So anyone who is born again, he didn't become born again by himself. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he said, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image. We were created in the image of God, but we're distorted. So now he predestined to be conformed into the image of uh, uh, his son. That he, Christ, the son, might be the firstborn among many brothers. So he leaves us and we are fallen. No wonder he's the captain of our salvation. Remember, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 11, verse 10 and 11. In bringing many sons to glory, make the, perf- the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. So he, he, the, Jesus is the captain of our salvation. So he will be the first amongst many brethren. Now, going back to what I, I was saying, we, we Bible in Romans chapter um, 8, verse 29, 20, 30 says that, and for those he foreknew, he also called. It's God who calls. It's not who we who seek. We are not seekers. We are, we are called. It's very important. He says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called forth, called forth to show forth, called to show forth the praise of him who has called us. He has called, he yanked us out of darkness into his glorious, marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. So he has, he called us in First Peter Timothy sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He said, who has called us with a heavenly calling? He has called us. We are called. We are called. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, beloved brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling or holy calling. So we are partakers. It's a calling. It's not a human choice because in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, it says that for, for there is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. So all those things are, oh, I'm a seeker. I'm just, we are, they are seekers. They are trying to find. No one will see God. Though. We have to go to them and snatch them from the fire. They won't see God by themselves. Nobody seeks God by himself. No one seeks God by themselves. No one seeks God by herself. It is not in man to seek God. In Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23, Bible says that it is not in man to know his way. The way of a man is not in himself. You cannot find the way to God by yourself. It is no, so Bible says that for the I'd like quoting this one in Hebrew in, in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. God is the one who came seeking. It's in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, again, going back to Genesis chapter 3, verse verse um, 8. Bible says that they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden and, um, uh, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord, watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 9, the first gospel, the first preaching. And the Lord God called, the Lord God called, called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you? Where are you? God is looking. There's somebody listening to me. God is looking for you. Where are you? He's calling you. Where are you? Where have you been all this life? You have been living your life outside of God. You have been living your life the way you want. Anyway, where are you? God is looking for you. To as many uh, says that those he predestined, he called. God is calling some those. And I believe if you are listening to me, you are one of the those. Either you are in already or you are here to join because you are one of the those God is calling. See, the preaching of the gospel is not for everybody. And not everybody will respond. I can't go into it and show you all through scriptures. They, for some time after they preach, Bible says the people were divided. Acts chapter 19. They preached, the people were divided. And some people, those be, Paul separated those who believed. Many didn't believe. Acts chapter 13 from verse 44 down was the same thing. Many did believe, as, as some they didn't believe, but some were very angry instead. In Acts chapter 17, the same thing. Everywhere Paul preached, some people get, got angry. 
people got angry. Even Jesus, the first time he preached, the first his message, the first message Jesus preached in his hometown, in his hometown, according to Luke chapter four. Bible said when they finished, the people were upset. They caught him to go and throw him out, to go and throw him down the cliff for him to die. So it is not. You see. The fact that not everybody is happy about the preaching, the fact that a preaching doesn't have many likes, doesn't mean it's not of God. Uh, let's, let's flip it on the other side. The fact that somebody has many likes is not an indication that he has the like of God. <laughs> oh, but see, you see, because you don't have likes, that's why you are talking like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's not everybody who can like it. It's not everybody. Jesus said, <laughs> In, in John chapter 8, he said, you, why is it that I'm telling you the word of God and you seek to kill me? It's John chapter 8 from, from verse 36. They were seeking to kill him. They, from verse 36, 37, 38. He said, you seek to kill me. Verse 40, 41. He said, you seek to kill me. 42, you seek, 43, you seek to kill me. He said, Abraham will not do this. How come you are saying you are Abraham's children? You are not a genuine person of God. Because people who are genuine towards God will not seek to kill the preacher who is telling them the word of God. <laughs> so from the Garden of Eden, right from the Garden, they have always run away. Man has always run away from God. Now, does it make sense why uh, uh, they try to teach evolution or ma uh, macro evolution that we human beings emerge from the slime? God didn't create us. Because they are trying to wipe out Genesis. If you, if you, you, as I said the other time, you can't really appreciate the gospel, the work of Christ on the cross. You can't be grateful to the cross until you understand the, the, the impact of the fall. Until you understand what happened in Genesis from Genesis 1 to the, what happened? If you do not appreciate what happened, or you don't understand what happened, there's no way you can understand the importance of the cross. Oh, okay, me, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in all the Genesis thing. It's just, uh, it's just ideologies, and it's just it's, um, fiction. It's fictional. The Bible is saying something. You're saying it's fictional. Were you there? Whoever is saying I don't believe Jesus, were you there? Okay, how, how did we appear? We appeared from the slime. That's the only way you can explain Genesis away, by saying that we just fortuitously appeared. We emerged from the slime one day, and then like an amoeba, the cells began to multiply. Then you become a human being. It sounds so unscientific. <laughs> it's so unscientific, but they are teaching this as science because they had us to run away from God. Hey, praise God. All right, let's get into the text now. <laughs> so it says that as soon as they fell, they moved away. They moved. Their man's direction is away from God. That's, re that's why repentance moves you back towards God. Man's original default direction is away. Every human being, our default direction is away from God. Away from God. There we go. So you are trying to preach to your, your cousin. He loves you. He's been a very good friend of you. Suddenly they turn very angry with you. Why? Because they just don't like it. Because they are supposed to move. They want to go away from God. They hide themselves. Yeah, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to. Some people will never want to come to church. Why? Because they are afraid. They are trying to run as far as possible away from God. But if he has called you, if he has called you, you can't run away. <laughs> Is going to catch you. The word of calling is going to pursue you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Well, so um, then they were away from. So God's plan is to work them back. Nearness. God, they are not running away. And then when you look at Exodus 19, 22, there's something that I want to show you. Exodus chapter 19, verse 22 says that, And let the priests also, which come near to God, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. The priests who are coming, anyone who is coming near to the priest, those that human beings couldn't go because of the sin issue. Let the priests come. But the priests themselves, they come, let them sanctify themselves. Because if you come near, you haven't sanctified us. The Bible says, God will break out on you. <laughs> That's a serious thing. God will break out on you. And so now look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27. They said to Moses, Go near. We won't go near. You go near. Pastor, just do the fasting for us. Just Some people say, ask for me, I'm not a pastor, so you don't expect me to always read my Bible. It's just basic Christianity. Christianity 101 has not got anything to do with pastor, being a pastor, being a church leader. There are a lot of pastors who don't read their Bibles every day anyway. <laughs> Sorry. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of church elders who don't read their Bibles anyway. 
Why? Why is that wrong? Is that right? No, it's not right. Uh, but you know, it, do, it does happen. It doesn't make them not Christians also. But the point I'm making, don't say oh because I don't. I, no, I don't want to go too deep into all oh, this Christian Christian. No, you are taking it. Some people will advise you that you are taking it so serious because they don't understand God, and they don't understand the God you found. They will advise you. They tell you, be careful about this whole thing. You are taking it too far. You are taking it too far because somebody will deceive you. Uh, well, see the people who think about deceit is because they don't, they are not focused on scripture and they are not pursuing God through scripture. If you pursue God through feelings, if you pursue God through convenience, if you pursue God through what other men will do for you, that's what they tell. They told Moses that you go near, we will stay far. You just go near. No, God wants you near. Don't say pastor, do it for us. God wants you. In the New Testament economy, in the New Testament, it's all the, the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood, right, I quoted earlier on second first Peter chapter two, verse eight. He said, "For you are a, a, a holy nation, for a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood." We have priesthood and at the same time we have royalty. So kings and priests, Revelation chapter 5 verse 10, he has made us kings and priests. So you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation, a royal, royal priesthood. This is talking to all believers. All believers are priests, priests who can go near God. All right. That is why in the temple, when he died, Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 verse 51, that the temple was torn so that now man can come in. Oh, hallelujah. We can come close. We can draw near. We can draw near. I'm going to show you something. Draw near, draw near, draw near. So, so since we run away, the objective of God has always been to draw us near to him. We to draw. He wants to do the drawing. So he's calling us. He starts by calling us. And when we yield and respond to his call, we begin to come near. Draw near to God. My brother, draw near to God. Don't say, Pastor, do it for me. Those days where I thank God for what the coronavirus situation has brought. It has exposed a lot of Christians. It has made a lot of Christians, Christians do a self, uh, do self evaluation, do self assessment to check whether really you are in the faith. Second Corinthians chapter chapter thirteen verse five. He said, "Examine yourself and see whether you be in the faith." Examine yourself. This coronavirus lockdown pandemic situation, which has forced um, all churches. All right, practically all churches to close church buildings to close for people to now build a certain relationship. That was not ob the objective. But Bible says in the first Corinthians chapter two, that if the devil, if the princes of this world had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They meant it for evil, but God turned it for, for our good. You can't stop the church. He says that I will build my church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Nothing can prevail against the church. So, when the lockdown came, it has actually helped a lot for people to tell whether this, because maybe your Christian life has just been built around borrowed strength. You go to church and praise the one, hoo, ha, hoo, he, he, he. And that's what you have built your Christian life around. Now, when that was not there, you are struggling. You are struggling. You can't read your Bible because you actually don't have a relationship with your Bible. As a Christian, it's time for you to wake up. It's time. Bible says in Romans that the, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And he said, Romans chapter 13, I think so. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its sin. Or Romans, yeah, Romans 13, 14. Make no provision. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last thereof. The flesh, if you give him chance, he will fulfill its last. But it's about time. Wake up from your sleep. For night is far spent. The day is at hand. Shake the sleep of yourself. Shake the sleep of yourself. And Bible says that, and let us behave as children of light, not in darkness, and cast, remove the garments of unrighteousness and put on the Christ. Hallelujah. And so it's time to wake up, bro. Pastor, it's time to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Start focusing your people on the word of God, not the excitement of an environment. You have built the church around excitement of environment. So now when the environment was taken, you, they, can't, they, they can't thrive. And the church is struggling because now there's no environment where people will, will be feeling and jumping and feel hyped, very hyped. There's nothing wrong with that in itself. But that is not the Christian work. Wake up! Wake up!
my Christian brother, my Christian sister, wake up! Go back to God in the text, in the scriptures. Your relationship to God must be built heavily by the Holy Ghost into the scriptures. Hallelujah. I think I'm preaching. I didn't intend to preach. Let me continue teaching. So, it says that, um, uh, go, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27, go, go down near and hear all that God, uh, all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Oh, Really? Go and bring the commandments. We don't want to go near. We just give us the commandments so that we can just be okay with God where we are. You know, some people are in church, but the church is not in them. <laughs> no, no, no. The church hasn't entered. There are a lot of people in churches nowadays, but the church is not in them. Not nowadays. Oh, it's always been like that. There are a lot of people who, who call themselves uh, Christian leaders, but actually they are not Christians. They are not Christians in the sight of God. They are Christians by... Um, um, on paper, it's called nominal Christians. But in the sight of God, they don't have a proper, true relationship with God. That's why they don't understand what church is about and Christianity is about. They think it's just about you know religious convenience and religious persuasion and religious choice. <laughs> Christianity, you are, that's my religion. I've chosen. No, no, no. It's not a religious choice. It's not a religious choice. It's life in Christ. Christianity is life in Christ, and Christ in us, and we in Christ. And that is Christianity. All right, so uh, he said that go and tell God whatever he says we will do. So God gave them the law. God, you say you will do the law? He gave them the law. He gave them the law. And la- when I spoke about the law, I spoke about one of the, some of few reasons why the, law were, the laws were given. The law was given to reflect the nature of God so that when you look at the law, you can see First Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It talks about the law is good. The law is good. In Romans chapter 7, verse 7, it says the law is good. Romans chapter 7, verse 11, it's talking about the law is good. So as for the law in itself, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is a reflection of Romans chapter 7, verse 12. It's a reflection of God. All right. So it talks about the law of righteousness. Oh, yeah, the, the law of righteousness, right? So oh, it talks about the righteousness that come by the law. There's a certain righteousness with the law, Galatians chapter 3, 21. There's a certain righteousness with the law. But you, hold on, sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 4, the righteousness of the law. So the law is good. It represents God. And I also spoke about how besides the law representing God, the law came so that your sins might, might, will be plenty. Much sin will abound. Romans chapter five, verse twenty. Say where the the the, the, the law came that transgressions or sin might abound. Can you imagine? The law entered therefore that sin might. So the law didn't come to help you. It came. It came to expose you. It came so that sins will increase. But the third point I want to mention here is that the law came so that we will see, because they said, give us the law, and he said, now we will keep the law for you. He said, he gave them the law. You want the law? You want my standard? There you are, take it. And when the law came, the law rather came to condemn and convict them. The law of God, which in itself carries the life of God, thinking that if I do, Romans chapter, look at Romans chapter um, 7 verse 10. Romans chapter 7 verse 10, it says, it says that, and the commandment which was ordained to life, because it can give you life, but you, you can't take it. The commandment can give you life. I'll give it to you. But what you fail to realize is that there is, some, there is something in you which entered you when through, through the fall. It's called the nature of the devil. The nature of the serpent is called sin. It entered you. It entered your flesh when we fell. When man fell, fell, Satan entered the flesh and he has hijacked the flesh and is using the flesh to control you. And so when the law comes, the flesh rather gets exposed. Satan, in fact, look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Romans chapter 7, verse 11. For sin, taking occasion, okay, let me read from verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained for life, I found to bring death. How? Because sin, taking occasion of the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. In other words, by it killed me. Wherefore, the law is holy and the Quran is holy, just and good. Verse 14 says that, for, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal sold under sin. I am under arrest. Sin is controlling me. So when the law came, it rather exposed 
exposed me in a very bad way and I felt so condemned. So the Lord didn't come to justify. The Lord came to condemn. That's very important. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 verse 19. Watch this. This is very important. This is very important. Uh, verse, verse, let me start from verse 18. It's nice. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19. Now, we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law that every mouth might be stopped. Everything the law was saying so is to shut up. He said, shut up, shut up. You can't, conv- you, you, can't, you can't be righteous enough. So when the law comes, mm, it, it that's what Jesus said to them in John chapter 8. Whichever is amongst you who is without sin, who is without sin, let him cast the first thing. See, they are thinking sin has to do with what you are doing. But the problem of sin is the thing inside you. So when you read Exodus chapter 20 verse 17, he said, that shall not convert your neighbor's wife. No, you haven't done it, but there's something going on inside you. That's where the problem is. It's not just what you are doing, but what is going on inside. Things that are happening in you that nobody knows. Nobody has seen. It's inside you. That's where the sin, sin is born from inside. It said, there is something in you. The, the problem is in you, not outside of you. If it was outside of you, it would, have been, no, it would have been easier to deal with it. But the problem is in you. Wherever you are going is in you. When you want to do the law of God, the thing inside you is blocking you from doing it. So it says in um, uh, Romans chapter um, 3 verse 19. Now we know that the, uh, whatever, what things soever the law said, it said on, uh, to them that are under the law that every mouth might be stopped and all the world might be guilty before God. Did you see that? The law was given so that everybody would be guilty before God. They said, tell God, don't, we won't go near, but you bring him, tell him whatever you say we will do. Really? Whatever God says you will do? Here you are, then you all felt guilty. So that every mouth will be stopped and the whole world will be guilty before God. That's interesting. That therefore, watch this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no know what? No flesh. Take note of the flesh. No flesh. No flesh. No flesh be justified in the sight of God. For by the law is the knowledge of you. Rather go to no sin. You didn't write, you didn't, you were not excused from sin. You rather knew sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is man. The righteousness of God without the law. Whoa, there's a righteousness that doesn't require the law. You were asking for God, for law. God wanted to draw you closer without law because you can't keep the law. Without the law, without the, the, the demands of the law. The law comes with demands we cannot meet. Excuse me, listen to this. How can a human being be able to meet the demands of God? Think about it. God is making them. Even the bank's demands, most of us cannot meet. <laughs> even academic demands, the demands of the academic board, the demands for elections, or the demand to be a president, the demand to be a prime minister, the demand to be a chief executive, the demand to be a mother, the demand to be a father, the demand to be a wife. Some of us are having failing. The demand to be a good student. The demand to just be in church, we are failing. How? The demand to be a six-figure salary earner. You can't meet. You can't meet. You want to earn a lot of money, but you, you can't meet the demand. <laughs> you can't get, that's why you didn't get a job. You couldn't meet. The demand to get that job, you couldn't meet the demand. So what makes us think we, are, we will be able to meet the demands of God? Even the demands, natural demands, we are not able to meet them. And they said, tell God, whatever he tells us we will do. Really? Really? But the righteousness of God, outside of the demands of God. The righteousness of God, outside of the demands of God, has been, watch this, has been revealed. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But the righteousness of God, without the, the law, without the demands of God, has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They said, oh, yes, this, this, this is what we have been talking about. The law has been pointing us to something, but we didn't know. So now we have realized the fall and strangers from God. And so and we, God has always wanted us to come near, but we don't see God, so we don't want to come near. So we want only certain priests go near and tell us whatever he wants us to do. Let us do so we can live our lives in peace. 
Some people go to church because they are afraid of the demons in their mother's background, demons in their father's background. They are afraid of the challenges in life. They are afraid of uh, coronavirus. <laughs> afraid of fear is driving people to church. They are not a desire for God. So there are people who go to church because they want to get married. You are going to church because, you know, if your husband keeps going to church, you will have peace of mind in your family. That's why you are not going to church. But it's not because you are trying to draw close to God. So that is why you always want pastors to do their job so you can uh, get, get, get the benefits. And whatever you want, they want, the pastors want, you give them. If you want to give my tithe and offering, take it. Give my offering, take it. Give seed, take it. Give money, take it. Give this, take it. Just you do it and let me have the benefit of God. No, God is drawing us all closer. He wants you close, not the pastor. He's, he's just sending the pastor to draw you closer. That's why every good pastor should draw people to Christ. Not just even do miracles for people. Doing miracles for people is not a calling. <laughs> it's not a godly calling. The godly calling is that Christ will be elevated because Christ said, if I be lifted up, John chapter 12, verse 31, 38, 31, I will draw all men to my side. Christ came to draw, oh, oh. Remember, drawing, I remember I spoke about draw near. He said, if I be, how does a pastor help people get drawn near to God? Drawn near to God by lifting up Christ, lifting up Christ, lifting up Christ. Let's stop heavily emphasizing on this life enhancement gospel, life enhancement preaching. When you come to Christ, your depression will go. When you come to Christ, you have a good life. When you come to Christ, your life will be better. You will enjoy life. Come to Christ to enjoy life. And people come to Christ, they realize it's not really so. Come to Christ for breakthrough. Come to Christ for this. It's life enhancement gospel. That is not the true gospel. Come to Christ that you'll be drawn near to God. Adam ran away from God. Now he's drawing us. He said he came to seek. God said, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Mavis? Where are you, Charles? Where are you, where are you, Chikwana? Where are you, Leroy? Where are you, Michael? Where are you, Michelle? Where are you, Fred? Where are you? God is always asking, where are you? Come, come, come. God said, come. God said, come. But listen to the pastor and get close to God. Listen to the, yeah, you have listened to the news a lot. It's about time you listen to the pastors, the agents of God, so you can come close. God is calling you, come close, Johnny. Come close. You are working too hard for money. You are working, you are working, no. You are trying, but why are you doing that at the expense of your life, your closeness to God? What does it, a man, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Come close. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that we said we will do God's word. So the law came to expose our sins. But when you read Gen uh, Romans, the book of Romans, from verse chapter 1 all down to chapter 7, you will keep seeing life. Life. For instance, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says that um, for by. Uh, um, um, by the gospel, I'm not sure. For by it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, faith, from faith to faith. And it says that for us is written, the just shall live. Live. You see, life there. Life shows up. We are living. We are meant to live because after we fail, we died. But you can only live by faith. The, the people think they can live by the law, but the law doesn't come for us to live. It comes for us to be condemned. It comes. In fact, in Galatians chapter three. I'll come back to um, Romans. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Galatians chapter three, verse ten and eleven. For as many are, 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 are as many are, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Oh wow! Rather doing the law, yeah, you are bringing yourself under a curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that does not continue. It's not the law, but you can't meet the demand, so you end up bringing a curse on yourself because thinking I'll deal with God based on the law, based on the regulations, based on the principles, based on His uh, instructions. Well, he said, for as many as are under the law, for it's a curse. For it is written, curse is everyone that does not continue in all, not some, in all, all things written in the, written in the book of the law to do. 
do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for, for the just shall live by faith. So we are not meant to live by the law. We are meant to live by faith. We are not meant to live by the law. We are meant to live by faith in Christ Jesus. And when you have faith in Christ Jesus, then you begin to live based on the standards of God. Your eyes being on Christ and you end up invariably fulfilling the standards of God, the law of God. But let's go. So it says that the law came and people have been trying to obey the law in order to look good, good before God or in order to have life. Life does not come by the law. But it says that, it says that for us it's written, the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. So, and then you read Romans chapter 2 verse 7. It talks about eternal life. Romans chapter Chapter um, uh, chapter three also talks about uh, um, um, life. Okay, so for all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And um, but let's go Romans chapter five. It says verse ten. It says that if by his death we were justified, how much more shall we not? Shall we have life by his? Uh, it's life. Shall we should live by? I think let me read it. Romans Romans chapter five. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So you can see there is life spoken about. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, to the newness of life. All right? Romans 6, 4, to newness of life. Romans um, 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 uh, 5.22. Look at Romans 5.20.21. Uh, 5.21 says that, that sin shall that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto everlasting life or unto eternal life. So eternal life. It kept talking. You will see it throughout, but because of time. So Romans, from Romans chapter 1, every now and keep talking about life. Life is coming. Life, 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 life. Romans chapter 6, verse um, verse 14. Um uh, no, 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 sorry, verse 4, 6 verse 4, I quoted it earlier on. He says that, therefore, we are buried with him in baptism, that like as Christ was raised unto, uh, raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. So he kept talking about life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. 21, 22 and 23. I think I will look 22 and 23. It says that, but now being freely made, so being made free from sin and become servants of God. When you read some translations, they become slaves of God. We have, uh, uh, we have, sorry, sorry, ye have your fruits unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You see, everlasting life. Verse 20, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Let me read from the NIV and show you. Romans 6, 22 says that, but now, but now that ye, but now that ye have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, you have become slaves of God. The benefits you reap leads to holiness and the results is eternal life. For the wages of sin is there, but the gift of God is eternal life too. So there's life all through. Bible talks about we having life quickly. So life, life, life. But now, this life, life, the problem is how do we get the life? And as I read in Romans chapter 7, verse 10, it says that the law that was meant to bring life, rather is bringing death. So access to life seems um, uh, not, it seems not to be in view. We have the life. Okay, life in Christ. There's life now. God is made, making life available. But how do we get this life inside? Now watch this. And then, so we thought that if I get the law and do the law, that's why religion says do this, do that, do that, and God will be happy. No, no, no. Religions is man's way of re, of trying to please God. Man's way. So this is what. That's why Cain's offering was rejected because Cain said, "Me, I'll give God what I want. I think He should need." God, you see, this is what you should need. Or this is what I will do. Not what you want. I will give you what, and I'm trying to give you the nice one. Very, very nice one. Okay, God, you have to accept it like that. So Cain gave God what he thought God should. That's religion. Religion started in Genesis chapter 4. So when man, man fell from his spirit, the next thing is begin to use his soul to please God. But his soul has been infected by the devil. And so he decided what God should need. 
what God should using his mind God I think that's okay for you and then he fell God a miss God trying to worship God in his soul and end up killing his brother because Satan Bible Jesus said that the, Satan is a murderer okay the devil is a murderer from the beginning that's why you want to do his work because Cain was doing it right for God and the ones that are influenced by the devil they always want to kill those who are doing it right for God they always want to attack those who are doing it right for God so brother be careful be careful you don't attack somebody doing it right for God because you are backslided you know you are living in sin you know you are not living right with God you know you are very far from God why are you attacking someone and some you are always doing this you think you are the only one close to God yeah if the person is just trying to preach to somebody there have been times when we go to town we go out to go and preach and you know who attacks us some people Christians they say why, why are you trying to preach people leave them alone you call yourself a Christian many Christians religious people they attack you when you are trying to do the work of God alright so Cain attacked Abel Cain attack, and so in the days of Jesus, it was the same. Jesus said, "Why are you seeking to kill me? I'm telling the word of God. You want to kill me? You are behaving like the devil. You are of your father, the devil." For John chapter, um, um, John chapter eight, verse forty-four, he said, "For he was a murderer from the beginning." Watch this. Jesus said the devil was a murderer from when? The so the first murder, Satan was behind it. When Cain killed Abraham, it was Satan. He has been a murderer. All murders in life, Satan is behind it. He's a murderer. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10, John 10, 10. All right. So Satan has been a murderer. Now, so from the beginning, man has tried to find his own way of reaching out to God. That is religion. And so they told Moses, just we won't go near. Just bring us the law. Bring us the instructions and we'll do it. And they couldn't do it because they thought that in doing it, they will have life. So Romans chapter 7 verse 10 says that the Lord that was meant to give life, ordained unto life, brought death unto me because I can't keep it. Now there's a problem. I'm trying to keep the law. Look at verse 17. Now, thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 7 verse, reading from verse 17. Uh, let's pick it from verse 15. For that which is, uh, that, that which I do not for, for, for that which I do, I allow not. And what I would, that I do. Well, let me read from the New King James instead. Hallelujah. Um, John chapter, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Um, it says that, thank you, Jesus. For what what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I will to do, that I do not practice. But but what I hate, that I do. If, if, if then I do what I will not, I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. There's an agreement deep in me with the law. Don't forget that. I agree with the Lord that is good. But now, it is, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I, watch this, sin lives in me, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Not, that's why I have to be specific in the flesh, not in your entire you. But in your flesh, you are um, human beings are tripartite, three parts: soul, spirit, and body. Soul, or oh, sorry, spirit, soul, and body. According to First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three, spirit, soul, and body. So you are three parts: tripartite, spirit, soul, and body. Okay, in your spirit, you have God consciousness. In your soul, you have self-consciousness. In your body, you have world consciousness. So, spirit, soul, and body. And he says that in my flesh, that's where my body, in my flesh, he said, I, I want to do the law of God. But verse 18 again, this is so important. Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he says that, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what I, I, I uh, 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 what is good? I do not find. I want to do it, but I can't find it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I know the law of God. I said, bring the law. God brought the law. Somewhere in me, there is a desire to do the law. But I find out. Look, look at this. This is where I'm going. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, um, verse 20. Uh, verse, verse 19. For the good that I will, I do not. But okay, verse 20. Now, I, now, if I do what I will not to do, 
It is no longer I who do it, but sin, sin is living in me. That's why in my flesh there's no good. He didn't say in my soul. In my flesh, there's nothing good in my... It's completely damaged because therefore Satan checked in. Satan checked into the flesh. The nature of Satan, which is sin, checked into the flesh. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 21. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. 22, 22. I want you to start counting laws. 22. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man. So being myself, that's why I said bring the law. They said, I want to do it. I delight in what? The law of God. Number one, the law of God. Take notice of that. I delight in the law of God um, from my inward man. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members. Oh, this is another law. This, the first law is the law of God. I really want. But there is another law in my members. Warring against, watch this, the third law here, the law of my mind. So there is a law in my mind. There is a law. I really want the word of God. I really want to obey God. But there is another law in my members. So the first law is the law of God from upwards, which is good and holy. There is also a law inside me, which is good. It's a law of good. I just want to do the law of my mind. There's a law inside me that wants me to. I want God. I want God. But unfortunately, there is another law in my members, my, my flesh. There is this law inside which will not allow me to do the law of God. That's what it says. That's what it says. Look at it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you. Three laws, three laws, three laws, three laws, three laws, three laws, three laws. You want to draw near the three laws. Watch the three laws. Number one, he said, verse 23, but I see another law in my members. Warring, you are at war, brother. You are at war. Sister, you are at war. I see another war, another law in me. Warring the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So the law in my members is called the law of sin. Set inside this now has become a law. So he's not even doing anything. It's just a law. When did he come in? When we fell. Satan checked in and became a law. So that even if you attempt with your good law in your heart or in your mind to do the in your heart to do the, the law of God, Satan will block you. He will block you. He will block you. And then guess the, the results. Verse 24. What's the results of Satan blocking? Look at verse 24. You don't want to miss this. Wretched man that I am. That's the result. You are trying. I'm trying. I know some of us are trying. You've been trying to do the work of God. You've been trying to do everything right. You are trying, boy. You are trying, my sister. You've been trying to obey God. You've been trying to honor God. You've been trying. You've been trying to do this church thing well. You've been trying. Now, when you become born again, there's a third dimension that comes in. Before you are born again, you are left with just these three laws. One, the law of God placing a demand on you which you can't meet. Because why can't you meet it? Because even though there's a law in you which wants to do it, there's another law in your members. It's called the law of sin and death. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? So it's a law that brings sin and death, and it's inside you already. And the law of sin and death has hijacked you and arrested you. So it's like, this is the law of sin and death. This is the law of God. Or this is the law of God. You are trying to reach out to the law of God, but the law of sin and death blocks you. So you try, you can't. You try, you can't. And you are a wretched man. A wretched woman. Oh, that's what the Bible says. Oh, wretched man. If you try to obey the law from your flesh, you will end up being miserable and wretched. So now what's the solution? He said, verse 25, thanks be to God. Then he goes to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now therefore no condemnation. Oh, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, ah, I'm justified. In Christ Jesus, I'm justified. How did that happen? Romans 8. Let me read from my King James. I like my King James. Romans 8, 2. For the, another law is coming in. Another law for that is outside of yourself. The law for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, something happens. The law of the spirit of life. You see, there's the life that was mentioned in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, that we were trying to get to that life which we thought can come by the law. No, it actually comes by the spirit. Hallelujah! 
<laughs> he comes by the spirit. The Lord comes by the spirit. The Lord comes, he's the spirit of life. He's the, the, sorry, the life comes by the spirit. He's the spirit of life. And it's in Christ Jesus. He's the spirit of life. Jesus said, the, it's the spirit that gives life. John chapter 6 verse 63. It's the spirit that gives life. The word that I speak unto you, they are, they are, the, 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 but the flesh profited nothing. For the words that I speak are life. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit of life. That's the first time that phrase was used in the Bible. Spirit of life. The spirit of life. He says, okay, now watch this. He says that down there for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The verse 2 says that for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So it's not just spirit of life who has done it. He also being in you becomes a law. There's a law in your inner man. Now watch this. Oh, this is beautiful. My time, my time. Don't, please don't go. Watch this. This is beautiful. When you become born again, God checks into your spirit. You are in your soul. And guess Satan is in your flesh. There are three personalities. How did it happen? It's the same thing like the Garden of Eden. You are a mini, a mini Garden of Eden. How? In the Garden of Eden, there was you. There was the tree of life. And there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And all the three are still preaching the same way in the believer. God is in your spirit. You're, you, are in your, you are operating from your soul, your mind, the, the law of your mind. You are operating from your soul. And guess what? Satan is in your flesh to block you. So when you tend to your spirit, that's why I said, walk by the spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. If you don't tend to your spirit, Satan will mess you up because when you tend to the spirit, then the law, hmm, hallelujah, then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death. That's what it says. It says that, it says that there's no, none therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Watch this, verse, verse, Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now watch this. This is where I'm going to end. How did that happen? How did that happen? Magada, Sakiriataya. Thank you, Jesus. The right, watch this. He said, verse 3, for, the, for, for what the law, that's the law of God, could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did. Okay, I'm reading from KJ. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, uh, condemned sin in the flesh. So God condemned sin in the flesh. How did he do that? He sent his own son in the likeness of the problem we are dealing with, flesh. Bible says in um, John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh. Bible says in the book of um, um, John chapter 114, yeah, the, the word became flesh. Christ came in the flesh. In the book of uh, um, um, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16, that's another nice one. He says that great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. So Christ came in the flesh. He became flesh. He became flesh. So what the law could not do, why couldn't the law do? The law was weak in the, the flesh. There's a problem with the flesh. So the law was weak. How did God do it? God himself chose that I'm going to do. Now watch this. I told you the law of God is the demand of God. Now, who is going to meet the demand? God said, don't worry, I'm going to meet my own demand. That is grace. So God had to come in to meet the demands, his own demands. Because man can't meet the demands of God. That's why I said earlier, how when you think you can meet the demand of God? God, it is only God who can meet the demands of God. So what the law, the demands of God could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The flesh. God did. How did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh, sinful flesh, sinful flesh, sinful flesh, sinful flesh. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, Bible says that because the sons were flesh and blood, or the brethren, the children of flesh and blood, he himself, Christ himself became uh, partake in this, partook in the same, he became the same, he partook in the same, he became flesh because of us. Flesh. But the good news is in First, Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, Bible says that he, he knew no sin. So he had the flesh but not, watch this, let me read it again. 
Not the sin of the flesh. Watch this. Ah, for what the Lord could not do in, in, the, in that it was weak to the flesh, God did, uh, God sending his own son in the likeness. The key word is likeness. He looks like the flesh. He came just like the flesh, but he was not the full flesh with the sin. So in the likeness of sinful flesh, that's, that, that, doesn't that remind you of what happened in the book of um, Numbers chapter 21 verse 9? Numbers chapter 21 verse 9, and an, int- an interesting an interesting story, beautiful story. Let me read it. Numbers chapter 29, 21 verse 9. The Bible says that, and Moses made a, a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and it, it, and it came to pass that if a serpent had beaten any man, if a serpent, the, the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, the, Satan is a serpent. If the serpent has beaten any man, watch this. If it came to pass that if the serpent had beaten any man, if the serpent had beaten any man, when he beheld the serpent of the brass, he lived. Hallelujah. You won't die. Except if you can look at that serpent, it's not a serpent. It is in it's the likeness of the evil serpent. It's in the likeness, but it's not actually the actually serpent with poison. So if that poison that's called sin enters you, if you can look at that serpent on the cross, oh, hallelujah. John chapter 3, we only like John 3, 16. But have you considered John 3, 14? John 3, 15, look at this. John 3, 14 says that, John 3, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, in the same way, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That life that was promised, if you can look up to Christ, if you can turn to Christ, if you can look to Christ, he says that you shall have life. The way, what happened with Moses in the wilderness, it just was show, showing what Christ is coming to do. That Christ also came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but without the, without the, the sin of the flesh. In, 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 in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, Bible talks about how he was tempted at all points and yet without sin. So he didn't have sin. He came. Bible says what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The weakness of the flesh. I think, let me read this thing. Hallelujah. Let me read in the Amplified. I just like, I just, just like, my time is up, but let me read it. Romans chapter 8 verse, verse 3. For God has done, God has done, okay? God has done what the law could not do. Who did it? God did it. God did it to bring us near. God has done what the law could not do. Uh, what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh. The law's power, the law, the power of the law was weakened by the flesh and uh, 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 sorry, the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his God, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and, uh, and as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdu- uh, uh, subdued, subdued, overcame, deprived it of its Power, power over all who accept that sacrifice. God subdued sin, deprived it over all its power. The power of sin, that, the power that sin had over all those who receive and believe the sacrifice of God. Look at this in Romans chapter eight. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Hallelujah, English Standard Version, verse three. For what, for for God has done what the law the the law weakened by the flesh could not do. The law was weakened by the flesh. The flesh weakens the law. It doesn't allow the law to be able to do what it has to do. You can't do it in the flesh. By the deeds of the flesh shall no shall no man be justified before God. So the law could not do what the flesh, uh, what God required from the flesh. So God said, me myself, I will do. The essence of my message today is that God did to draw you near. Let me finish it. I know my time is up, but look at Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. Reading from the English Standard Version. Hebrews 7, 19 says that, um, for, for the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better, oh, sorry, let's read from verse 18. I'm sorry. For on the other hand, also on one hand, the former commandments is set aside because of its weakness and usefulness. 
uselessness, sorry. It was set aside because of its weakness and its uselessness. My, my favorite King James. Let me go back to my own King James. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18, it says that for um, yeah, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandments going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. It's no, it was too weak. How? You know, it says that what the law could not do in that it was weak to the flesh. God has to put the law aside. Watch this. When it comes to drawing us close to himself, watch this. God put the law aside. For the law made nothing perfect, verse 19, but the bringing in of a better hope did by which we draw near unto God. Hebrews 4, 16. Therefore, let us come boldly to God, to the throne of grace. Let us come. Now come close. Come close. Why? Because you are not coming by law. You are coming by Christ. Watch this. Verse, um, uh, Hebrews chapter chapter 7, verse 25. Say, Wherefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him. If you come to God by him, he's able to uh, save you to the apple. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says that, let us draw near with a true heart full of, uh, in full assurance of faith. We can go on and on and on and on, but my time is up. Let's draw near. Draw near in putting your faith in Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, Bible says that what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. How did he do? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law, who oh, for, for the first time, the righteous, the law has righteousness but it couldn't be fulfilled in us. But that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. When you are born again, you now walk by the Spirit. And when you walk there by the Spirit, you unconsciously and automatically begin to meet the laws of God. Is the Spirit is the Spirit of life in you. So it says that the, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So that's in that sense, Christ is the end of the law. He fulfilled the law so that when you are in Christ, you have fulfilled the law and you are living in God. Then you are near to God. The law, which God, God's objective is to draw near to, to draw us near to himself. From the Garden of Eden, we went away from him. He's always wanted to draw us near to himself. And guess what? That's exactly what the Spirit of life is doing in Christ Jesus. He says, for now therefore there is no condemnation. The law in my mind couldn't help me because there's a law in my members, the law of sin and death, blocking me from doing the law of God. But thank God that there's another law in my spirit. The law of life, the spirit of life has made me free from the law. So this is the law of God. I'm trying to get to the law of God. But the law, by my law of my mind, but there's a law in my flesh that is blocking me. And this not allow, I'm trying to go, the law of my flesh is blocking me, and suddenly, guess what? The law of the Spirit comes to empower me, so I can honor God, get close to God, and as I'm close to God, I live to His glory through His Word. We thank God for using His servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.